Welcome to Convos from the Couch by Life Stance Health, where leading mental health professionals help guide you on your journey to a healthier, more fulfilling life. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Convos from the Couch by Life Stance Health. I'm Nicolette Lianza. In today's episode, I'll be talking with Life Stance clinician Brady Mertens on how AI can be useful for mental health treatment. So welcome back, Brady. Thank you, glad to be back. Really excited about this episode because I get the chance to talk to a fellow clinician about AI, which I'm a fan of. And yet at the same time that I'm saying I'm a fan of it, I am not a, a computer scientist. I know it as best as one can understand it if you are trained as a mental health therapist, which means I'm limited in my probably the deeper understanding of really what AI is, but I know how it could be useful for me. And I think I also know the limitations. So that's what our conversation is going to be about. I think it's a promising new technology that has the potential to improve mental health treatment. So let's see where we go with this. Let's have you start us off by explaining to us what's a simple way of explaining AI. So I ironically had to use ChatGPT to help me understand <laughs> it, it a little bit more. Love it. <laughs> and if, I like a little bit higher level of detail. So it starts talking about all these, this like architecture and deep learning. And I'm like, okay, that's a little too much. So in a nutshell, from what I had seen there, it's programming that is designed specifically to mimic intelligence and to try to do and achieve the same things that we as humans can do, and even some of our other animal counterparts like crows and solving their puzzles and some of the social interactions like between elephants and chimps and dolphins, reaching that level. I know when I first think I in my head, I think what Asimov's iRobot in the, the movie with Will Smith you know, portraying that specific story. Right, right. Where, or even like Battlestar Galactica with the Cylons. Um, the, so these things that are self-aware and we're not at that point yet but i always have to remind myself we're talking programming we're yeah. not talking self-aware yet yeah oh that's is not that interesting <laughs> to say yet i think there's been a lot of talk within the tech net world about that kind of that yet yeah, when yeah like self-aware is bard actually self-aware yeah. It's funny because it sounds like you went to ChatGPT to ask the question. I did as well, and it did. It gave a lot of gobbledygook. I'm like, okay, explain it for a fifth grader to understand. Okay. And this is what it said. AI is a field of computer science that creates intelligent machines that can think and learn like humans. I'm like, oh, all right. I like that, ChatGPT. That works. And in in essence, that's exactly what you're saying as well. So very interesting stuff. What are some potential uses of AI in mental health treatment, do you think? I tried to look at some research for that, and I didn't find too much immediately right off the bat. I know that in random simple brainstorming, I've considered it as a possible use for finding skills, finding like light processing of, of thoughts and emotions and situations, ways to build potential insight uh, into a person's problems. It's definitely a good way to find possible resources. Maybe like a person's brainstorming ideas or, hey, what are some of the potential negative effects of this choice or this decision? I think it's extremely helpful, both professionally and personally, on learning about things. Because mm-hmm, normally it's someone's talking about uh, this, yeah, I heard that banana peels are high in melatonin. Uh, I haven't heard that before. And you go Google searching it and then you find 
10 different web pages, 10 different things. And you're like, I just need a fast synopsis because I don't need to spend 10 minutes of my time and this person's time trying to find out this information and if it's accurate. And generally, I think with a lot of those more factual things um, that don't have a lot of conflicting research, uh, specifically with how these intelligences gather their information, make their deductions, if there's not as much bias and there's not as much controversy, whether in a political or even in an academic sense, you're going to get more matter-of-fact stuff. You'll say, how do I use the deer man skill in the situation? There is only one form of DBT skills. It's not Lanahan and Peterson, or two DBT therapists right. are arguing about how it's done. It is what it is. Like you ask it, what is two plus two? It's always going to be four. Right. Um, unless there's some non-Euclidean stuff that I don't really know about. But again, I'm a therapist, not a math major. I hear you on that one. But I think you bring up a good point. If somebody wanting to just find out information, seeking knowledge or learning, some of the AI could be very helpful with that. And in a bit, we'll talk about the chatbots and the apps and stuff <laughs> like that. But if you're just going on ChatGPT or Google Bard and just asking, hey, I think I might have depression. Tell me the, some of the symptoms for it can give you a nice, concise yeah. way to list those out. And then it'll probably do some sort of disclaimer. And if you're feeling like you're struggling yep. with this stuff, please seek out a you know yes. mental health professional. So I, I find that they've been doing that quite consistently. I, I know in the early days of ChatGPT, I was actually messing around with it as if I'm trying to push it into be more that role of a therapist to see how far I can push it. And did ask the question, will you ever, will AI ever replace a human therapist? And it did say no. It did say no, but I think it was probably programmed to say Based no. off of current knowledge. Exactly, exactly. So here, what? how can things like chatbox, apps, virtual reality be helpful, do you think? Definitely as a sounding board for the, for the chatbots. For the apps, I was I do a DBT group, and I've had some trouble getting the phone coaching component of that up. And I was like, May maybe how can that be used in this aspect? So mm. you know, maybe phone coaching, but through through the through the chatbot. And then in doing that, I was actually looking for any app specific for DVT, and there was only one that I could find. So then, all right, what's the evidence base of using an app? Most of the stuff that I found on that was mainly geared towards like medical recovery, like physical therapy, following through with medical appointments. But considering the nature of therapy, I think there's some generalizability from that and there was generally an increase in response to treatment generally an increase to adherence and follow-through and post-recovery maintenance of symptoms those are for some more medical surgery primary care physician kind of situations i didn't find anything specifically regarding psychotherapy and that was just in a search on pubmed which Wait, where the numbers here? I actually have this pulled up. Give me just a second. Yeah, sure. Oh no, I closed it. But <laughs> the number in the last decade, if you search artificial intelligence and psychotherapy, about the number was 1114 articles came up. The ones from 2013 to 2014 had very little to do with this kind of like deep learning. I think the most. The closest to where we are now that it was about them using a sparse learning model, as it said, to help with analyses and diagnostics within FMRIs. And that, so this was like early on. It's wild to think too, like in the last 
10 years. This has gone from right. barely working to it. I have trouble telling this apart from a human. Right. It's just, it's wild. Yeah, it's completely wild. One of the first apps that I had come across, and this is going back a few years, that I was made aware that it uses artificial intelligence um, program into it to navigate with its users is something oh. called Wobot, W-O-E-B-O-T. And okay. it's, it's an app specifically using natural language processing mixed with cognitive behavioral therapy. So it's wired to help it, the user of the app navigate cognitive behavioral therapy by looking at one's thinking and how to challenge the thoughts and to reframe it. And I've downloaded it myself to try it out. And it's cutesy that they, you get a little figure that will, I, I don't remember if it's an owl or what, but you know, they definitely make it user-friendly to engage with. But it is something that I found could be helpful for some of my own clients because um, I'm very eclectic in my therapy, but a lot on CBT, that for those middle of the night, you know, clients who are like, oh my gosh, my, my brain is spinning. I have all these thoughts. Let me use this app to get empty out my thoughts to the app where then it can help me reframe my thinking to be a little bit more rational because they're not going to reach out to me at two in the morning or even get me if they're trying to <laughs> message me. But an app could be helpful with that. Or even a lot yep. of the apps like the help with sleep, there's Headspace, there's the Calm app, and all that is yep. based on AI too. So I think more and more we're finding some decent mental health apps, but that shouldn't replace a human therapist. If you're really needing to go deeper, I think these are good, helpful yep. things for coping skills. But you know, I think we're and both coming from the place of not replacing therapy. There are also built upon the general average yeah. that you're going to see, I was putting in, let's say I have this problem using an internal family systems lens, what's mm -hmm. going on with me? And it gave probable, probability. It was like, you might be experiencing this part, possibly reacting to that. When you're working on the one-on-one, -on -one, you get a lot more specific. Okay. After we've talked, we were able to identify this is connected to this story I told you two months ago and you're like, right. the therapist is like, oh, hey, you say that now. And that reminds me of that story you told. Is there a connection? And then you get really specific. And that's where you get like the individual person to persons where you get a lot of that tailor-made therapy response. Uh -huh. And that's the key, tailor-made, right? Yeah. Human to human being able to, because that's, I think when we talk about the limitations, I think that's where we see a big limitation there with AI. And I'm curious where when we hit that sentient level where it goes, because I think when like the romanticizing almost of the AIs when they become sentient is like people, individuality, and there's a difference between talking to a computer that's giving you spat responses, but between that and actually interacting with something that is self-aware and has its insight, has its own thoughts, feelings, though how a sentient AI might think or feel, we have yet to know, obviously. Mm -hmm. I'm curious if when we get there, if it's going to be the connection on the sentient level, as opposed to a biological person to person. And I'm sure there's probably benefits and gains from both interacting with a sentient individual, as well as interacting with a fellow human being. We don't have discussions with aliens yet to compare right. that to, right. so we Fair don't know. Point. Fair <laughs> point. You are making me think of a time, another time I was just messing. I don't know if it was Google Bard or ChatGPT, but I was poking it to see does it get frustrated with humans? Like trying to explore its mm -hmm. own. Again, we're well, talking about It's not going to have counter-transference, right? And so I'm just trying to push it a little bit more to see what I can get it, give it to say. And I think it maybe was Google Bard that 
and it could be wonky. That is, yeah, you know what? Sometimes I do feel like I can understand the experience is more of a human and that it does. It, it did use some words like make me sad or something, which I like latched onto because I know <laughs> I'm very clear. It, there is no feeling here. This is yeah. truly not a sentient being here. But I was purposely pushing it. And so I remember thinking, huh, that'd be interesting to be a therapist to AI to help it <laughs> gaze its own thoughts about working with humans and stuff like that. But it's, it's, it is really interesting seeing where this technology yeah. will continue to grow. Are, I are just you... have the, oh, the go ahead, go ahead. image in my head of like you have those insurance call centers, for example, and there's, there's a medical doctor on staff, but they're not ever really the ones going through right. yes claim, no claim. They're going through like a paperwork. My the thought man was a therapist with 12 AIs under its supervision, and they're just like at an overseer level monitoring right. the therapy that's going on. Brady, you might not be too far off with something like that. That's an interesting premise. And there's definitely ethical implications there. Just, and I think that's we're at the stand at the bottom of my notes here that you know it just is a tool, and with yeah. advances in any tool, it's going to present challenges as well as opportunity. And it's how are we interacting with that? How are we treating the ethics with it? How are we considering the implications and the ramifications? I think the baseline of looking for evidence-based uses, yes. consulting, documenting, and right. educating yourself on the use of, of it's going to be definitely important as we go forward. Oh, I agree with you wholeheartedly. Are you familiar with Meta's uh, virtual reality system? A little bit. There's a, what is it? I'm trying to remember what is it, Chat VR or VR Chat. That's what it is, VR Chat. Played with that on the computer. I didn't have a VR headset for it. Virtual spaces, there's some really nice ambient ones, some really cool design ones. Other ones that are just like a big old party where you have people popping in and out and all this hectic stuff going on. And I think Meta's, the oculus if i remember right and they've done a decent deal of making it accessible it's not 300 dollars versus vibes what there's just like a thousand dollars or even the new apple one that is i think for three thousand dollars or something that oh, just recently wow. came out yeah i haven't seen that one yet yes one of the things i understand about meta's universe with the virtual reality is that they're marketing it to set up for like even work meetings in the meta universe where you are an avatar and maybe you're sitting in the virtual world in a meeting with your other counterparts or colleagues in this, maybe this literally virtual room where you're doing the meeting in the meta universe. And that therapists have also set it up where they are meeting with their clients in this meta virtual world, uh, universe yeah. where you're the avatar as a therapist, your client is the avatar, and you guys are not meeting in, in, in real physical life, but in this meta virtual universe, which right. blo it blows my mind, that, but that is a thing. And I, I'm sure there's a whole lot of the stuff that go with that. Would you ever be interested in meeting with a client in the virtual meta universe there? I have, while well, I was playing around with VR chat, I had someone, obviously I'm not on there as a therapist, but it comes out sometimes, oh, I'm a therapist. And people are like, hey, can I talk to you about this? Like. Not in a therapy way, but what do you think about this kind of way? Gotcha. So I have had an experience or two that was along that line. My biggest concern would be making sure, you know, that it's encrypted. I Fair think point. that brings a difficulty oh, gosh, of like, yeah. where are they located? Like, how do you check on safety? Checking on functioning, they might be all 
rooms banged up and cut up, but their avatars all I just shiny. Got out of room. Yeah, good point. Excellent point. All the things we miss out on and not being able to see a person physically, even if it's not in person, but virtually over like yeah. virtual therapy where you're actually seeing on video the person. Right. But you're right. right the avatar can cover up. And I the- do the teletherapy component with that because if I'm here in my office and they're saying everything's fine and dandy, but their home's a wreck, like digitally I can see virtually I can see sometimes too. I can that can even be part of treatment planning. Like let's have a run through the house and see how you're doing with laundry or cleanliness or you mentioned that pile of garbage that you haven't taken out in two months. Can I see? Right. Yeah. No point. not not as possible. But there for maybe things like exposure therapy is one I've seen VR yep. being used for. Yeah. Uh, and even potentially yeah. I'm having the thoughts of the holodeck on Star Trek. And that's where that's going, right? right being able right. to interact with an individual who's confrontational and say, all right, let me use these therapy skills and do some training with it, right? There was, um, back when I was a baby therapist, I was looking at, is there a potential to use like tabletop role-playing as a way? And there was only one person I saw, he was out in like Minnesota or something, who was doing it uh, for youth as a way to, by proxy, practice those social skills. And that a lot of times when we create those characters and those avatars, we're trying to put forward a version of ourself. Like I'm playing this mage who's very smart and knowledgeable and speaks well and is able to interact with other people. But I myself in real life feel like I'm an idiot and that I don't know how to talk to people. Inadequate. So it can be a way to very well practice those skills. I also couldn't find a lot of research on that, which was frustrating because that would have been a whole different career path for me. Right. (laughs) So what else do you think are some of the benefits of this? I think it's a good bolster for treatment. It's a tool both for therapists as well for for clients. It's an avenue of possibly new treatments. And I'm sure if we sat down and thought about it, we could think about endless types of benefits. But the biggest one is that it's a it's a new tool. I guess also with our 21st century world here, it's a tool that actually fits the age. Oh, fair as opposed point. to, yeah, here's this, I love books, but I say, here's this DBT workbook. How many people are really going to go buy the right. book and open it? And even I don't open it. Right. I, I go to the internet to find stuff, even though. They're going to be got, more likely to go to a YouTube video talking about yeah. that workbook than actually going and purchasing or looking at that workbook or TikTok about, about it. You yeah. go to a therapist who was trained and got their license before 2010. And they've got you wouldn't see this window behind and you'd see a bookshelf for yeah. every book. You know, probably cost a hundred bucks a pop. And yep. so financial accessibility is another thing there. Oh, I know point. some people can't even pay the eight bucks for this DPT workbook that I have. Yeah. Whereas point. generally as a, as a way of living in nowadays, pretty much everyone has a smartphone or access to some kind of computer or a friend who does. Right. I don't want to be too ableist with those statements because right. I know there are those who also don't have that. But right. it's much more accessible sometimes. What about limitations? What are you thinking about the limitations? There's the the stigma and the public perception of it. I'm gonna take my job. Right. Actually, how I got started with, with looking at this is that can it actually? So I went in and was like pretended I was a person coming in with something and typed in some scenario and was both surprised but also pleased because it does give that disclaimer like. This is an actual therapy. If you right. need help, go get help. Right. And it's not going to be specific. That's something that, for the moment, the humans are the ones who have access with. Right. Right. Uh, 
So there's also sometimes the inaccuracy of it. Yeah. It's also not real life. There's something special, I think, about having, talking to a person. There was a thought there with the public perception. Oh, some people might be thinking like, oh, you're having this AI do your job for you. I have actually had one person come back with that and was like, can you see me an hour a week? And you probably have more time during the week when you could benefit from these skills and thinking like, man, I really wish I had a therapy session tonight. And yeah. this isn't, it's not therapy, but it's a good step towards, they can still give you a lot of good resources, good insight, and a good refer referral to skills to use in those situations. I think emphasizing, again, as you were saying, just the limitations of it, it could be impersonal, like you mentioned. Actually, also it could be inaccurate, as you mentioned as before, but also what we're finding with some of the science behind it is that AI can be biased because if the AI algorithms are trained on data by actual humans, and if that data is biased, the algorithms are going to be biased as well. Yeah. And sometimes so it's could, outdated too. Yeah, fair point. So the, how that could be bias for certain racial, ethnic communities, the LGBT community, you name it. So it's and something to be mindful of. That's specifically a problem with the data sets that those algorithms are tapping into, which goes more to say of the humans that actually need to be doing research in more representative populations mm -hmm. instead of just because what from for the pretty much the entire timeline of our medical and therapy existence, it's been what normed off of generally middle, upper class, right. white, often even white male. No, excellent point. So I, I thought we'd have a little bit of fun with this. So I have Google Barb pulled up. Do you happen to have uh, ChatGPT open up? I, I do. thought we're going to use so... Most people know ChatGPT is an AI that's definitely been in the news quite a bit as an AI chatbot. And Google Bard is the counterpart that obviously comes from Google. I think Bing has one as well. I think we're seeing a lot of these pop up. The two I tend to use most is OpenAI, so ChatGPT and Google Bards. I thought, let's have some fun to demonstrate. If, if maybe I was a person who was struggling, and I thought we'd be impromptu with this, Brady, of maybe you start with ChatGPT of maybe you know, a common issue, a specific issue someone might be having asking it to see what it says. And maybe I ask Bard to, or take it to another question with Bard and compare answers, just give people the idea of like how this could be useful or yeah. not. So yeah. anything off the top of your head that you'd see specific and maybe someone coming to you to talk to you about? I'm probably avoiding it. So turn into, it would first be, I'm having this problem with my friend, my parent, my partner. And it ends up being that there's a lot more depth to it. Maybe the friend has some unhealthy behaviors, but then the person I'd be working with also has some avoidant behaviors. Are we wanting to look at this like someone who's never done therapy before, someone who's done therapy, or someone who's, they've been with us for a year and now we're introducing this as a skill? Let's do this middle ground. Let's do the okay. middle ground. Maybe having a, a problem with a friend who, I said, I think it's too cliche to say drinking too much, or maybe a friend who you're having isn't, a hard time. Yeah, isn't taking, my friend is belittling or putting down this opinion that I have and they've never done this before and okay. I have no idea how to do it. Okay. Well, Are we doing the exact same text? Yeah. So I put in, I'm having a problem with my friend who is belittling my opinion. How about I'm going to leave that in general, my opinions. All right. So okay. let's see what Google Bard's going to pull up right now. It's thinking. 
see. So does do you have your answer for ChatGPT? Does yep. something pop it up? Is, it is generating. All right. We're at option four so far. Oh, okay. So it's, all right. Six. So it's still going. So let me. Seven. All right, ChatGPT, you good. Is it thorough? I'm going to. Why don't I start with Google Bar? Because it came up with you real quick and gave four yeah, points. Yeah. Just basically talk to your friend about how their behavior makes you feel. Then it gives a little blurb more about that. Set boundaries with your friend. Seek support from other friends or family members. And remember that you are not alone. And then just talking more about That's that. And if you're struggling to deal with your own, dealing with the situation goes on to say, don't take it personally. Don't engage in arguments. Focus on the positive. I mean, that's all some good, decent stuff, right? Yeah, basic with, with, like surface level of cognitive behavioral therapy. Yes, exactly. It's a good starting point. It's a good, hopefully it gets someone to be like, oh, okay, that's not some bad things to start off with. All right, what about ChatGPT? It sounds like it was a little bit more thorough. So it starts out, I'm sorry to hear your experience and difficulties with your friend. Dealing with someone who belittles your opinions can be frustrating and hurtful. Here are some suggestions. They also go with communicate openly, having an honest conversation. They talk about I statements, avoiding accusatory statements. I feel hurt, blah, blah, blah. Set boundaries, provide examples, so specific instances of when your opinions were belittled, helping them to build insight, it seems. Seek empathy, Um, having them understand your perspective, explore the reasons, depersonalize, why might they be belittling this? Um, Considering the friendship, yeah, they belittled this, but overall, this doesn't mean our friendship is thrown out the window. That's specifically an important component when you're talking with um, individuals who um, are on that, I feel abandoned kind of path and then seeking support confide in the family member Uh, so as i was reading through these and as you're reading through yours i was thinking that for that first one the response i often get is yeah but i don't think they're going to respond well if i like directly say this to them and i feel uncomfortable about that so that gives me an idea so one of the things that chatbots are good at is give me a script of exactly what to say so i'm going to put that in Bard here to say, give me a script of how to approach this issue with my friend. Okay. So okay. Give me a script on how to say this to my friend. Because one of the things that people might not understand, it remembers what you said previously. You don't have to keep repeating the prompts. It just yeah. knows what you said. Okay. Mine popped up. Does you got one as well? Okay. So mine. Yeah, it gives a several paragraph mm-hmm. script here. It says, hey, insert friend's name. I want to talk to you about something that's been in my mind. I've noticed that you've been making a lot of comments that belittle my opinions lately. When you do that, it makes me feel like you don't respect me or my thoughts. I know you don't mean to be hurtful, but it's really starting to affect our friendship. Then it goes on to, I appreciate you if you could, blah, blah. It's important to be, it, it goes on and on here in a pretty good way. I don't know if this is how we would talk to one another, but if you took this yeah. and took the ideas um, from it, and use that as the guide and put it in your own words. I guess that could be pretty helpful. It's not a bad way to navigate this. What's OpenAI ChatGPT saying? They say pretty much the same. So hypothetically, friend says, your opinions are always so silly. I can't believe you actually think that. Hey, friend, can we talk about something that's been bothering me? It's about the way you respond to my opinions. I value our friendship. I think it's important to us for us to have open and respectful communication. What are you talking about? I just say what I think. I understand we may have different opinions at times, and that's fine. I've been feeling belittled and invalidated recently when you dismissed my thoughts without giving them consideration. It's been hurtful, and I wanted to bring it up so we can discuss it. So, like with what you were saying, it feels scripted. I know a lot of times it's like it feels insincere, it feels like canned. Well, when we are trying a lot of the new skills, 
the things can feel very uncomfortable. I compare it to if anyone's ever done theater, you're doing your normal talking. Yeah. Ironic that we have a script here. Doing your normal talking, people in the back can't see all of those facial expressions. They can't hear right. all of the, the intonations and nuances. So you got to be like big with your movements yeah. and you feel silly when you're doing it. But then to the people in the back, it looks normal. And when you start using a lot of skills, even like speaking a new language, I was I'm learning French because I'm hoping to go to France soon. And it sounds best when I feel like the same kind of person that my mom would make fun of for sounding like a frog when they speak French. <laughs> or when I am like, let's just try to learn Klingon. It's okay, this feels really weird. But when I'm speaking it best, most accurately, is when my wife looks at me and is like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> so if you're feeling silly, it means you're entering into a world of I'm not comfortable with this, which means it's new, which means right. you're growing. Right. And that's a good sign that you're growing. Yeah. Uh, I like that you're emphasizing that. Yeah. So let's, I think we could put that in here. So um, maybe I feel that, or maybe I think I'll have trouble doing this because I'll feel really uncomfortable with telling them this. That too. What, 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 I forgot what I just said. What I'm saying. I think I will have trouble doing okay. this because I'll feel uncomfortable. I realize that I can jumble the word, but it still seems to know what. I'm yeah. totally bluff. All right, let me start with Google Bard here. It's understandable that you might feel uncomfortable talking to your friend about their belittling behavior. Be difficult to confront someone who is close to you. I like that it starts off like trying to show you some empathy of like yeah. how hard this can be. So that makes it feel a little bit. It makes it feel. I'm putting this in air quotes a little bit more personal to you. Here are a few things you can do to make it easier to talk to your friend. Choose the right time and place. Practice what you're going to say. Have a friend or family member with you to support you. Take deep breaths. Avoid, avoid blaming. Be willing to listen to your friend's perspective. Be prepared for a negative reaction. So again, I guess it's good guidelines. And I'm just reading the bolded parts as, as a few more sentences to each. But yeah. Not bad. Again, if I was just trying to get some basic guidance, not too terrible there. So yeah. what about ChatGPT? In... Short words, pretty much the same thing. Got you. And I like to go through and just play devil's advocate. I'm going to be that difficult client. How might, if, if I'm really skeptical about therapy and skeptical of the skills, or I feel like I've tried therapy a lot and stuff, the skills don't seem to work. There, there is something I've noticed that, that's missing here is it gives a lot of the skill response, but it doesn't give as much of the challenging confronting of some of those mm, behaviors it's not going to stop and say it seems like you're beating around the bush about another problem here can we stop and look at what's going on with this instead it's not going to uh, know to do that where a, a human would maybe be able to push right. back a little bit more with that uh, so, good point so i'm going to extrapolate this a little bit further just for sake of i'm going to say how exactly do i stay composed calm then as it suggested that and then it gives a bunch of these distress tolerant skills mm -hmm. and then so let's say, why do I feel like all of these suggestions just won't work? All right. We'll put so that now, as our last one there. And then yeah. I'm going to let you go ahead and take it from there. Go ahead. So what did it say? I'm sorry, this doesn't work. Is what it's See, again, that's tricky because it makes you like, oh, thank you for acknowledging that yeah, I'm frustrated. You know, there's something to that. Go ahead. I guess here it does start to confront a little bit of that. But I, I think it's dependent. Here's another limitation on the person who's using its insight to why isn't this working? What am I doing wrong? 
you know, when you start to ask those questions, you start to build insight more about yourself, not so much just about the skills or the problem. Mm -hmm. That's where a lot of the growth can come from. But again, that's the therapist's job. Hopefully someone's insightful enough to do that, but generally they may not be able to. Right. So it suggests tailor the strategies. Yeah. So these are candidates. They'll be different for you. Be open to experimentation. Yeah. You've tried it before. Tweak it. Maybe it'll be different. Seek alternative perspectives. Focus on an open communication. Set realistic expectations. So it does start to get a little bit deeper into the, into challenging some of the underlying gotcha. neural pathways that tend to cause us problems. Oh, gosh. So, hey, thank you for playing along with me with this. I think yep. this is a nice demonstration for those, one, compared to two and, and the differences and what the similarities of what these tools can use to help guide us. What are some other takeaways you'd like to share? Let's see, touching back on it here, like we had said before, it's a tool, just yep. as any tool, it, it can be used for good, it can be used for evil, and for any therapist trying to use it as a tool in their therapy, ethical, be ethical, consult, document, mm -hmm. use your critical brain, and yep. it's new, so there are going to be things that we may not anticipate, and that's, that's right. where that consult and documentation comes into play, and educate yourself on what's out there. Yeah, I agree. Hardly. So thank you again, Brady. Appreciate this conversation. Love to have you back on. Who knows? We might be talking about another new technology that immerses out of nowhere. And Hopefully we're in a tech boom at this point. That we are. And I'm loving it for sure. So thank you again. You're welcome. I'd also like to thank the team behind the podcast, Jason Clayton, Juliana Whitten, and Chris Kelman, with a special thanks to Jason Clayton for editing our episodes. Take care, everyone. Thank you.